In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Family, before we begin, when I was proclaiming the gospel at the four, I was really tired yesterday, third mass, third homily, confessions. So I must have been a little snarky or something when I, when I read it. When I proclaimed the gospel, listen to this again, the whole town was gathered at this door, and Jesus cured many who were sick with various diseases. And so what came to mind in the midst of proclaiming that gospel, I wonder if they socially distanced back then. I wonder if, I wonder if Jesus drew a bunch of six-foot circles. See, I told you, I was tired and snarky. Your family, this Sunday is the fifth Sunday of ordinary time. We draw close to Ash Wednesday, whereon we will celebrate the profound devotion of having the sign of the cross traced on our foreheads. Devotion, dear family, we do not mess with our devotional life. For the record, the day-to-day life of a real Catholic necessarily includes devotions. So let's strive to live such lives of devotion that when we die, people immediately would say things like, well, he was so devoted to the Holy Eucharist. The Eucharist certainly is something about which we should be devoted. As we know, it is the source and summit of all grace. Not surprisingly, then, we hear such quotes as St. John Vianney, patron saint of priests, who said, how sweet and full of comfort are the moments spent before the Blessed Sacrament. Are you in trouble? Come and throw yourself at his feet. And St. John Bosco, if you remember, he's a saint that had those dreams For 60 years, he received remarkable dreams. And probably his best-known dream was that of the church in the midst of a storm. It was like a ship, and it took refuge between two pillars in the sea. And one pillar, the higher pillar, was the Holy Eucharist. The lesser pillar atop that was our Blessed Mother. In short, the meaning was that the church has two means to save itself amidst persecution. Everybody in the church should be paying attention to this, not here, everywhere. Devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist and devotion to Our Lady. That certainly explains why St. John Bosco had this to say, quote, Take refuge often at the feet of Jesus, my dear ones. The visit to the Blessed Sacrament is an extremely necessary way to conquer the devil. Therefore, go often to visit Jesus and the devil will not come out victorious against you. And Pope St. John Paul II said this, Jesus waits for us. In the sacrament of love. He's talking about the Eucharist, the sacrament of love. Let us be generous with our time in going to meet him in adoration and in contemplation that is full of faith and ready to make reparation for the great faults and crimes of the world. He was saying that. There were faults and crimes back then. They haven't gotten any better. He said, may our adoration never cease. Well, after devotion to the Holy Eucharist comes devotion to the Holy Rosary. As our Blessed Mother herself said to St. Dominic, by this devotion, the faithful shall obtain numberless benefits and shall always find me ready to help them in their wants. That certainly was affirmed by Blessed Pope Pius IX, who said, among all the devotions approved by the church, none has been so favored by so many miracles as the devotion of the Most Holy Rosary. Which explains why, as I'm sure you've heard St. Padre Pio said, the rosary is a weapon for our times. We also have devotion to St. Joseph, guardian of Jesus. Our diocese has proclaimed this is the year of Joseph. 
Thus, guardian of the Holy Eucharist. Devotion to the guardian of Jesus, thus the Holy Eucharist. St. Teresa of Avila, doctor of the church, said, though you have recourse to many saints as your intercessors, go especially to St. Joseph, for he has great power with God. Think about this. He took care of Jesus' mother. I think Jesus is fully aware of that. He has great power with Almighty God. Every month we observe the devotions to the Sacred Heart on First Fridays with adoration and confessions and the Immaculate Heart on First Saturdays with confessions. I recommend also reading the great Father Rick Heilman's compilation of 70 saint quotes about which he said are about a glance at the 2,000-year history of saints and martyrs. He calls them heroes in holiness. His compilation really is like a who's who in the pantheon of all our great saints, such as St. Thomas Aquinas, who said... Devotion is a certain act of the will by which man gives himself promptly to divine service. Let's get this straight. All those SJWs out there. Not, not out, I mean out there. We don't do SJW stuff, social justice work, and then somehow through that get a devotion to God. We start with our devotion to Almighty God, and from that is inflamed within us, is enkindled within us, our, our work of charity. First God, always first God. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's from whence we get those things we do in public life. Well, we could go on and on, but you might get, you might get as restless as this amazing number of precious babies who sang out clearly at yesterday's 4.30 mass. It, it, was a, it was a rowdy bunch of babies. There was so much singing going on that at the Mass's conclusion, I personally thank the parents for bringing all those precious children and the whole place spontaneously erupted in applause. Also now as we approach the devotion of Ash Wednesday, just realize that we do not mess with our devotions. And that should be obvious to every shepherd when we ponder the simple fact that the two most greatly attended Holy Masses after Christmas and Easter our Ash Wednesday and Palm Sunday. Even pathetically weak, even apostate Catholics nevertheless desire their ashes and their palms. That's going to launch into a, it just drives me crazy to see Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden with their black crosses. I'm thinking they don't even have a clue what that means, but I won't go there. We do not mess with our sacred devotions. So how dare they cancel Palm Sunday last spring? How dare they cancel Holy Week and Easter? How dare they strive to suppress Christmas eight months later? Remember what the atheist said, we cannot sanitize the universe. We need our devotional life. We need the sacramental life of the church. We don't cancel it. And now I hear there are a lot of places where once again, in horrific ways, some clergy, wolves in sheep's clothing, are trying to limit or deny priests the right to immerse their flocks in the ancient Catholic devotion of having a cross of ashes signed on their forehead. They're trying to cancel Ash Wednesday. It's not hard to figure out where they might be. Just look at the, those who abandoned their flocks last March and April, locked the churches, denied the faithful access to the sacramental life of the church. And sadly, as reported in the godless liberal reg America magazine, the Jesuit publication of which James Martin was the editor for years. Sadly, even in Rome, 
the Bishop of Rome, and it's not binding on anyone here, not even in Rome, simply asked, not commanded, but asked that Roman priest say like a one-time communal kind of prayer thing, then mask up over nose and mouth and not say anything while sprinkling some ashes on the top of everyone's head. There's no witness of faith when you walk out the door. Nobody's going to see ashes in your hair. They'll see the cross on your forehead. They'll know we're Catholic. There have been times when I've been uncomfortable with the cross on my forehead, thinking, oh, they're going to think I'm Catholic and, and be mean to me. Remember, dear family, that this was printed in America, the awful Jesuit liberal rag. And please know, dear family, my personal sentiments about the Jesuits. Two of my top five all-time saints, including number one, Saint Isaac Jokes, were Jesuits. And when Almighty God first called me to his service, I was certain he was calling me to be a Jesuit. My whole background was steeped in the society of Jesus. And please know beyond all doubt that among the holiest priests I ever was privileged to know was a small number of Jesuits, like my very first spiritual director, Father William Lynn, who was born and died on Christmas Day, 90 years apart. I may have mentioned it before, Father Lynn lost his entire family to polio by the time he was 14, but never had a moment of doubt and despair. And he didn't put up with any nonsense from the seminarians. I saw that with my own eyes. The seminarians all knew he was the holiest man on campus. He was joined by a handful of other Jesuits who also were so holy that we used to call my seminary the Jesuit Protection Program because like the government's witness protection program, those few Jesuits were there for their protection because they were persecuted by other Jesuits precisely because they were holy and orthodox. I saw it with my own eyes too, dear family which sadly gives rise or gave rise to a well-known joke amongst the seminarians. I didn't know it till I went to seminary. A joke that goes like this. Question, what never changes at a Jesuit liturgy? Answer, the bread and the wine. Your family, as the saying goes, there's some truth that underlies humor. And sadly, the even worse truth is that that evaluation is not limited merely to Jesuits. Listen, if 70% of people don't believe in the real presence, it's because their shepherd doesn't believe in it. Judging by some of the sacrileges committed in liturgies since after Vatican II and many dioceses around the globe, it's really no wonder that 70% of baptized Catholics no longer believe in the real presence. So seriously, is it any wonder that so many have lost devotion to Jesus who waits for us in the sacrament of love? as Pope St. John Paul II said. And if you think I'm exaggerating on the extent of the loss of true devotion, here's the latest sacrilege coming out of James Martin, who apparently can get away with anything these days. He tweeted out a picture of the ancient and sacred picture of Our Lady at Częstochowa, in which she holds, it's a black Madonna. It's, a, it's in Jasnogora, the monastery in the center of Poland. It's, it's purportedly painted by St. Luke in which she holds the baby Jesus wherein our blessed mother's halo and that of Jesus are replaced with a rainbow. God actually does damn such sacrilege. 
which misguide and confuse eternal souls and directly put them at risk of being confused by radical and toxic ideology that undermines the faith of the faithful. Can you imagine what Polish Pope St. John Paul II would have thought about the desecration of the image of our Blessed Mother in support of an ideology that not just normalizes but promotes one of the four grave sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance? I've been to the monastery in Częstochowa, Poland, 10 times. And in the small chapel, celebrated mass at the small chapel where that ancient icon is preserved. And people go on pilgrimage to Częstochowa, to Jasnogora, and process on their knees around the side of the altar, behind the altar, and back around the other side, around the image that reminds us both of the mother of God and the tender love she had for the son of God. Pope St. John Paul II would not be amused by James Martin's tweet. God actually does damn such sacrileges that undermine the faith of the faithful. What does James Martin care? The Jesuits don't seem to care. Not once have I heard, have I heard a Jesuit censure James Martin. And where's the Bishop of Rome in the midst of this insanity? What do we hear coming out of Rome? Crickets, crickets. But then again, it's in the current Bishop of Rome who allowed James Martin to speak at the World Youth Conference, who stood at, before the altar of St. Peter's for a photo op of a canoe filled with a Pachamama, an abomination brought into the temple, who placed a beach ball on the altar next to the tabernacle, one who changed 2,000 years of Catholic Church to install women in positions of acolyte and lecture. I had to be in seminary four years before I was installed thusly. And one who now, for the first time in Catholic history, first time Catholic history, contrary to at least four of the canonized popes in just the last 100 years alone, has appointed an unhabited sister. Never mind, oh, don't pick a, a Dominican from Nashville or, or Ann Arbor that wears the full habit. No, let's pick one that's not in a habit. Let's pick an unhabited sister as undersecretary to the Synod of Bishops, first time ever in the history of the Catholic Church. In light of all this, the words of Pope St. Pius X ring loud and clear. It is an error to believe that Christ did not teach a, de a determined body of doctrine applicable to all times and to all men, but rather that he inaugurated simply a religious movement adapted or to be adapted to different times and different places. Well, our thinking has evolved, you'll hear people say, the heretics. We're more enlightened now. We're on the right side of history now. No, no. The teaching of a canonized pope teaches us that it is the error to suggest that the truths of the faith are open to being adapted in different times and in different places. In other words, the truth is the same at all times and all places. So what am I supposed to say, dear family, when people ask me, what are we supposed to do with some of the hierarchy who, who are leading people astray? who are confusing us, what am I supposed to do? Well, I can tell, this is my answer. I'm not Catholic because of any particular person, of any particular color of cassock. I'm Catholic because of 2,000 years of saints and martyrs. And I will not be misled or confused by liberal modernists, heretics, and apostates. Remember what Saint, Pope St. Saint Pius X warned us about 100 years ago? 
Liberal Catholics are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's not my opinion. A canonized pope warned us about them 100 years ago. Pope St. Pius X also warned us about 100 years ago thusly. The great movement of apostasy is being organized in every country for the establishment of a one-world church, which shall have neither dogmas nor hierarchy, neither discipline for the mind, nor curb for the passions. He's referring in part to immorality, immoral, immoral teaching that does not accept dogmas or curb people's passions. Which is why Pope St. Pius X said, indeed the true friends of faithful Catholics are neither revolutionaries nor innovators. They are traditionalists. In other words, our true friends are those who do what St. Paul expressly told us to do. Stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught, either by oral statement or by a letter of ours. And finally, dear family, Pope St. Pius X said this, our apostolic mandate requires from us that we watch over the purity of the faith and the integrity of Catholic discipline. It requires from us that we protect the faithful from evil and error, especially so when evil and error are presented in dynamic language, which, concealing vague notions and ambiguous expressions with emotional and high-sounding words, is likely to set ablaze the hearts of men in pursuit of ideals which, whilst attractive, are nonetheless nefarious. How often do you hear that word in a sentence? Nefarious, evil, from the core of evil. In simpler terms, dear family, it is my ordained duty to protect you from evil and error presented in sweet-sounding language, concealed in vague notions and confusing emotional words. It's my ordained duty to protect you from those who speak the words of the viper in the garden. Oh, surely you will not die. Well, let's conclude by pondering the implications of all the saints that we've just listened to in particular the words now of blessed Pius IX, from whom we heard a little earlier, who said, quote, if a future pope teaches anything contrary to the Catholic faith, do not follow him. Well, it follows a fortiori. It's a Latin, uh, yeah, legal term that means even more so than, or it applies equally as well to anybody who teaches anything contrary to the Catholic faith. If, you, if, if a blessed pope says you can't follow even a pope who's teaching error, well, we certainly don't follow less than popes teaching error. It's not my opinion, dear family. It's not my opinion. Dear family, my faith and your faith does, in fact, depend upon 2,000 years of faith and tradition, 2,000 years of sacred scriptures, 2,000 years of saints and martyrs, and not on the women caprice of any enlightened, ordained priest, no matter what color of cassock he wears. If any, we do not mess with our devotions. So know this, know this, rest assured, as long as there is a breath in my body, I will make the sign of the cross on your foreheads with ashes on Ash Wednesday. God bless you and keep your souls safe in these most dangerous and most confusing times. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.